Okay, Dominique, what is your object? I think I've been muting you and you've been unmuting. I've been unmuting you and you've been muting yourself. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, here, here is my object if you can see it. Ooh, okay, it's tiny. We'll get to know more about it. And Sana, what about you? Okay, I'm not quite sure what that is, but that'll be interesting. <laughs> Welcome everyone to a new episode of Not Quite Strangers. My name is Valerie Hope and I am your host. And these are meaningful conversations with different people, not quite strangers. And the intention is really to build connection, to inspire curiosity, and more importantly, to challenge status quo. I have a couple of guests who've never met each other except for our time here today. So I'm excited to introduce them to you. But a couple of quick things before we get into it. Please, if you have not already subscribed to my YouTube channel, find Connect to Joy on YouTube. Subscribe there so you never miss an episode. Also, you can go to notquitestrangers.com. And when you subscribe, you'll start to receive all of the episodes in your inbox, right, just through email. Now, first of all, before we, we get started, I know both Dominique and Sana have brought objects and they'll share with us in a second. But I want you guys to know the reason I invited these two amazing people is one, they've both been on my podcast time to come alive before. So they're already pros, they're vetted <laughs> and they're just fascinating people. I met Dominique, gosh, Dominique has been two years, almost two years, a year and a half ago. And she and I met through a, a wellness program that was online and we ended up having um, been appointed accountability partners. Dominique is in Geneva, Switzerland. She's originally Swedish, so we'll hear more about that. And we just hit it off right away. We've been, been fast friends ever since. And then Sana and I have known each other for uh, not even a year, I don't think, Sana, right? I think maybe sometime. Year, yeah, almost. Almost. Yeah. I think we met this summer. And um, clicked as well. And Sana and I met because we're both executive coaches through the Berkeley Executive Coaching Program and just started chatting and had you know, really wonderful conversations ever since. So thank you two so much for saying yes to being on Not Quite Strangers. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for having us. So, I'm glad. So tell us about your objects. Dominique, you go first. Okay, so this is an object that, uh, uh, so it's, um, well, it's just uh, like a necklace and a pendant. And it's, so uh, you probably don't see it well, but it's a lotus flower. And I bought it, um, I bought it when I decided to change life to start teaching yoga. And it was called also New Beginning. So to convince myself that I could do it, I really wanted to have like a reminder that I would see every day. So that's why I put it on myself. Then I lost it and then I bought, I bought it again because <laughs> I really want, didn't want to, to lose the meaning. But then I found again the first one I had. So yeah. And also the lotus is often used in um, yoga tradition, also showing as a symbol that you can have like your roots in the mud, but you still have a beautiful flower. So also showing, you know, the subconscious or the I don't know, all the mess we have to deal with, but then also seeing that you can transcend that and, and, and flourish in life. So that was like a nice symbol that I enjoyed. Wow, that's a cool story. Ooh. So you lost it and you bought a second one. Yeah, because I thought I can't, let, I, can't let, I can't let just this 
cut my dream or cut my dedication or my determination to to do this so yeah so double down you blinged out and you do yoga look at that love you <laughs> Sandra, what about your object all right so first of all can you guess what it is is it a nose plug it's actually yeah it's a nose clip <laughs> okay so <laughs> here it is okay this is what you do it could be a necklace too that is less pretty than, than Dominic's one. And this is how you use it. You just open it, pinch it on your nose, and you cannot breathe through your nose anymore. Okay. All right. So I don't sleep like this. Uh, <laughs> even if I could try as, as, uh, uh, as an experiment. But um, actually, this object is very useful to me. I'm a free diver which means that I spend way more time than regular people, I would say, um, trying to hold my breath underwater. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is very useful because this actual little device uh, allows me to keep my head in the water and shut my mouth and I don't have to think about what's going on in my nose or whatever. Okay? Nice. Oh, I don't know if that's nice, but it sounds like, <laughs> but it's helpful. It is helpful. It's functional. And it's also a reminder why I brought the object today. It's because it's also a reminder of what I'm doing with breath. Um, not, not only holding my breath, but just like breathing in general and to my relationship with water. Mm. Lovely relationship with water and then what you're doing with breath. You know, it's interesting. Um, both of you have very unique connections to the work that you do, right? And it's all based on in mindfulness. So I'm curious about what, it, what is it about the, that particular practice that you so identify with or that you chose to make a lifestyle? What was it about it that attracted you? I want to ask you both the question. So whoever wants to go first, go. Okay, I was trained as a conference interpreter where we translate or interpret. So we often do several things at the same time. We will be listening to someone, processing the information and talking at the same time that the speaker is speaking. So I could see in a way that you can do different things at the same time, but, but deeply I know that really humans, we're not made for multitasking. And I feel that really our society is going more and more towards, I remember I had, I had a neighbor who would, we have like free concert at the, um, on the lake uh, on, with the sunrise during the summer, but she would bring her computer with her or she would swim at the same time, but she would do something at the same time that she would see, watch the sunrise and listen to a concert live. And I was thinking, yeah, it's just, I feel we, I also feel we have a leakage in energy when we do that. We just don't notice it, but we're getting more and more scattered. And now that we have devices and we are <clears throat> even more captivated by that, I really have, I mean, I can feel in my system, in my body that it's not natural. So for me, it's a way to come back to myself and to not try to escape myself mm. in the end. Yeah. So X to multitasking and being single focused. That's interesting. And what was it that made you want to take this on yourself? Like, what is it? What did you find it does for you? 
I think it's really not so much, um, well, it's really just having the experience. So the first time I had a yoga class, um, I remember I had been, I mean, it was almost 20 years ago at the time, it was not that much mainstream. You know, you don't, you didn't see it on, on advertising. You didn't have like yoga studios. You had it in some gyms, they started doing it. And I was just curious about it. And I remember I went to my first yoga class and I felt I was feeling good, but I went to the yoga class and afterwards I felt so much better. And I thought, wow, you can actually feel like that all the time if you choose to do that practice. Interesting. So it was just, uh, yeah, feeling the benefits. I mean, this, yeah. you know, in a way you feel like alive, like the energy is flowing at the same time you feel relaxed. And what I feel now that I teach as well is that most people are like in overdrive with their mind, like they're totally, but they are often physically depleted, even if they do sports, often because it's just too much. So yeah, so for me, it's really just the experience that, that attracted me because it's like anything good for you. The more you do, you, the more you crave it because your body wants to go towards like equilibrium and balance. So if you start a process, you will just do it more and more until you, 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 you find your own balance. I totally get that. You know, it's interesting. Um, and Sana, for you, I, when I when I think of free diving, I think of some, you know, like open water, or, you know, the Atlantic Ocean or Pacific Ocean or something, Indian Ocean. And, you know, you live in Montreal, <laughs> Quebec. <laughs> so I'm thinking, hmm, where, where might one get the inspiration <laughs> to do that kind of work? But you come from, originally from, is it Serbia? Croatia, Serbia? Yes, my... my... I have roots, family roots in, in Serbia, uh, but I grew up in France. And then, you know, I, I lived in different parts of the world. I, I lived in Thailand for, and Southeast Asia for a long time in Denmark. And I moved to Canada like 15 years ago. So I've, I've lived part of my life close to body of waters. And in Quebec, in Montreal, we actually have a, like a very big river called the St. Lawrence River. It's very cold, but still, uh, even in winter, we are trying to have a dip in the St. Lawrence River and to, yeah, actually swim, free dive in the St. Lawrence River. You know, so we don't have the, the hot Caribbean Sea, but still there are body of waters here, plenty of water in Quebec. And uh, there's plenty of fun, of fun to be had. So what, what attracted you to doing that in a body of water? I mean, versus watching a sunset with, and listening to a concert. <laughs> what, what was it that made you want to go in and go deep? Yeah, uh, well, I think it's an, it's an old story. And, and the story probably, the seed of the story is probably a movie called uh, Le Grand Bleu in French. Uh, I think the, the okay. English equivalent is The Big Blue. Uh, and I think this movie came out 1988. Uh, so I was quite young. But I finally got into the water in freediving uh, two years ago uh, when on my birthday I was, uh, I turned 45 and I've decided that I was going to do what I've always dreamt of. Which, which was like doing the big blue, trying it out. Um, so there was, there was a conscious decision. And at the same time, I think that I was attracted to water because I needed a break 
I needed a break from my regular activities and I I think it I needed to turn inside. Mm. I used to be a martial artist. Uh, I, I fought in, in uh, Muay Thai. Then I became a trainer. I took care of people for like more than 25 years. Um, and most of my life has always been targeted towards the outside and the others, I believe. And I just came to a, some kind of a realization that, well, okay, there's something wrong. Even in my body, I started to suffer from several injuries in my body and, 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 and pain would become a part of my everyday. And I think all that actually worth signs for me to actually, okay, there is a need to stop and to rest and to go inside. I'm able to articulate it now because it's been a journey of the last almost two years, right? Uh, it didn't feel like that at the beginning, but um, I think retrospectively, this is what brought me into breath and water. And freediving was actually the perfect uh, vessel to be in that. Mm. You know, what's interesting, what's coming up for me now is because both of you have these practices so centered on like the body and the mind, right? The breath, the alignment. I wonder, and I know I'm putting you guys on the spot, but if you could bring a brand of what it is that you do to center yourself or ground yourself to this conversation, what can you share with us that we might be able to all do together? And people that are watching or listening could do alongside. Just something really brief that would help us get kind of centered and grounded right now. What I do often at the beginning of a yoga practice when I'm teaching, because people sometimes, well, now with COVID, many people um, practice from home, but before, you know, after work, they would rush to the studio, trying to be like, okay, now I'm ready for yoga, but you're still in that sort of energy, like hectic um, thing. I would always start with the breath. So what I suggest, if you want to follow, you can place one hand on the belly button, the other hand at the center of the chest. So very simple. Then you can close your eyes. And when you inhale, you can really feel your body expanding. And when you exhale, the hands are lowering. And you can also add the visualization of a balloon. At the in on the inhale, the balloon is inflating in all directions, to the front, to the back, to the sides. And on the exhale, you are deflating the balloon. It's coming back to center. You keep breathing at your own rhythm, just making sure that you slow down the breath. Remembering that oxygen is your first nourishment before food, before any liquid. It's really the oxygen that will bring life to, to you, some energy. So you breathe without forcing anything, finding your own rhythm. Just feeling the body, which is expanding on the in-breath and releasing tensions on the out-breath. Mm. Really feel the contact with your hands, yeah. And then you can open your eyes. I don't know where eyes. to go on, it's like, ah. <laughs> Wow, yeah. lovely. And it's just a taste. Um, 
But Sana, what about for you? What would you bring at this moment? Well, at, at this moment, and because I don't want to do I practice a lot what Dominic just actually shared with us, uh, which I believe it's a fantastic practice. It's very simple. Uh, your breath is always there. Um, maybe um, another way to spin that would could be also like to just like have contact with your breath, close your eyes, and suddenly pay attention to the noises around you. So it's very simple, just like sit, lay down on the ground, or like any position or just stand, close your eyes and very simply and calmly try to pay attention to the sounds around you. So the sounds that are far, and then slowly you can come closer to yourself. Maybe there are other sounds that could be very, very close to you. And then you can get inside of your body. Hmm. Thank you. That simple. Very simple. And the breath is always with us. And yes. we can talk about maybe later on, we want to, if we want to energize, the breath also serves us to do both. Right. Um, and you know, I have to admit, both of you have been on my podcast before, and I know we've had a lot of these conversations about why you got into what you do. And we even had both of you do some sort of practice for us. So for those of you who missed it and would like to check out a more in-depth practice for Dominique and for Sana, I'll make sure that I add that into the show notes so that they can use it as reference. But it's delightful to just know that it's like a it's already embedded. <laughs> the practices are embedded. It's just a matter of, of, of connecting with them. So now I'm curious to know, um, how did you feel when I invited you to meet a stranger and be on this podcast and do it live? I, I was very excited. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Dominic. No, no, started, but it's good. Maybe that shows my excitement to meet That's you. your excitement. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a fantastic project and, and, and I was super happy to receive that invitation actually. Um, and just because I'm, I'm, first of all, because I'm curious and I think um, that's what I also, I'm trying to cultivate in general, like to stay open um, and, and, and flexible and and to meet new people, like to see, okay, what can I learn from other people around me? So that's the first reason I, th I think on the second level, I just realized in the last nine months because of COVID and we were so cut from the people around us because of you know the pandemic and, 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 and all the, the regulations that go with it, can you get out, see your friends, not see your friends, et cetera, et cetera. That I realized um, maybe a month ago that 
most of the people I've really interacted it with uh, in the last month was online. And suddenly, whether you would be in Geneva like Dominic right now, or in Dallas, in San Francisco, or in Thailand or wherever, like I could get closer to people that were like very far from me. Mm-hmm. Just because anyway, I couldn't see the people that were close to me in my own city. So I think that also opened the door to say, okay, the, the world is not only the people that I see usually around me and the, and the circle that I have, those circles can expand almost indefinitely. And, and, and I can get the opportunity to suddenly freely meet somebody without some kind of restrictions or, or I don't have time because I have to see other people. And suddenly it's just like, oh, okay, I'm home anyway and I'm behind a computer. So, you know, let's go. Let's, I want to travel to Switzerland and, 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 and meet Dominic. Yay, me Even too. It's virtual. <laughs> Dominic and I have never met in person. Yeah. And Sana, you and I have never met in person. Exactly. <laughs> and look at that. That is fascinating, right? Yeah, you're right. I love what you said about um, you know, like this is an opportunity to get expand your circle, but it's almost like getting close, getting close because of distance. Like there's something about having to this distance yeah. from other people that brings other people closer. So that's fascinating. Okay. Dominique, what about you? What was your experience? When it's I- funny because I wanted to say pretty much it's the same, but it was like the reverse. I said, well, I don't know because it came at the same time, but the same is like curiosity because I always like meeting new people, different backgrounds, different you know lifestyles, whatever. And I think moreover, if we're not quite strangers, but we have a person in common who sees you know, the, you know that it could be a nice conversation or meeting, I, I mean, I trust that. Of course, I trust you um, fully. And I'm always curious to see, you know, why would she put two strangers together? (laughs) And of course, then excitement, because, yeah, I think life is, um, I don't know, life can be exciting. And and this, and it's true also on the second level, I was just realizing the same thing pretty much last week. So maybe I'm a slower learner, but I was um, trying to remember because... we say that we, it said that you are the average of the five people you see most. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, okay, but last year, you know, who did I see so regularly? Because of course we had so many restrictions that physically for, you know, sometimes weeks, you didn't really see physically friends. And then I realized that it's too many people that I am in touch with. And you are such an example, like we are in touch every other week. And we've been doing that for like a year and a half and, and we barely know each other <laughs> on, the, on, the, on one way. On the one hand but on the other hand it's true it's it goes so deeper because you can meet some people in real life where you just you know chit chat and it's you know it's nice it's summer you're having a drink or whatever you're by the lake and and it doesn't really go very deep but i think online if you just have that it doesn't go very far so it's it's this opportunity to to meet new people again without borders and you know i live in geneva which is very cosmopolitan we have people from all over the world <clears throat> it's very multicultural from the start but but it's true it's uh, online you just yeah you can travel anywhere well both of you clearly have that value right the value of expanding your social circle and your connection you both also like to go deep you like to have meaningful conversations so what is it about people from other places and having meaningful conversations that draws you so much? 
it's the best way to evolve. I think it's to be exposed to like, like we can be certain of things in life. We can, and, and I don't, I don't judge it. Cause I mean, in a way <laughs> it would be nice to like, you know, be born, have a certain, you know, a certain vision of life and, and keep that vision forever. But for me, I grew up in a small village and I always felt that there was so much more than just my own vision or way of life and the one of my neighbors. So I just think if you meet people from other countries, languages, you know, already the fact that you have another language, because I was trained in, in you know, um, learning different languages, it's already another vision of the world. And, you know, the, the, I don't know how you express yourself is already like you, you treat the information differently. Your life vision is different. The way you apprehend reality is different or other aspects, you know, life, death, whatever is so different. And, you know, if you start traveling, you, you notice that. Um, so for me, that's what is, I mean, that's what makes me, I feel grow even if, and I, I mean, now I think I'm so, I always feel I'm so blessed that we are so blessed to be living in this era where we have, you know, with the internet, we have access to so many resources, people, things. And I always feel, you know, if I was, I had been born like a hundred years ago where you, you know, traveling was not really an option, you would, uh, unless you were like a maybe higher class or for work, maybe, but you would really just have your own reality and you would never be exposed to anything else. But I mean, for us, I feel, you know, all like, of course I, I studied a lot yoga or Eastern traditions. It's such a, I don't know, it's, it's such a different perspective on life, on death, on, on anything, on, on, you know, your relationship to your own body, to your mind, to your spirit, to many things. So yeah, I feel you learn a lot when you, when you do that. Well, how many, and what languages do you speak, Dominique? So French is my mother tongue. Second language is Swedish. Then I have Italian, English, uh, Spanish. And I had some German at school, but never been fluent in that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I could still understand a few things, yeah. Fabulous. Wunderbar. Wunderbar, yeah. <laughs> Sana, what about for you? What is it about expanding your circle and going deep that is meaningful? Um. I think it's linked to my personal history, but at the same time, it's it's because I believe that's where I come alive. Um, I I think from a very I've i I come from a, a place where um, I grew up in some kind of a, in France in some kind of a project neighborhood. So when I was 10 years old at school, I think there was like something like 70 different nationalities. So from a very young age, I was with people coming from Africa, Asia, North Africa, um, South America, or, or where are European countries or Pakistan or like, you name it. And I think that that they were my friends. I had Italian friends or from Italian backgrounds or from Arabic backgrounds, African backgrounds, South Asian backgrounds. And I was always super curious. It's like we were together in the same neighborhood in the same kind of social conditions. And we were all have a story. Our families were not from friends from that place. And us kids, we were whether coming from those places at a very young age with very often some kind of a traumatic story or we were born here, but from parents who were not from here. Mm. So I think that I've always felt somewhat out of place or a bit different from a very young age. 
And for me, being with people that were different from the majority was suddenly my happy place. Mm. That, was, that was where I would belong. And, and I think it's no mystery that I live in Montreal, for example, because Montreal, like you seem to say, Geneva, Dominic, is a very multicultural city. You can have every kind of food. You have people from every part of the world here, different languages. We mix French, English, Spanish, uh, Creole, all sorts of languages together. Um, and, and, and I feel this is where I, I'm, I'm alive. I'm, I'm, I feel safe in those kind of, kind of environments. So um, I think this is it. And it's because I lived in different countries. I've traveled. I've experienced life and death in different parts of the world. And I believe that was also intuitively something about me that was trying to understand myself through confronting myself with other people in other cultures. That's so interesting you say that because I've often said, I, I want the experience, I've traveled a lot. I've been to like 31 countries now in my time, but <laughs> I've not had the experience of, as an adult anyway, of living long-term in a particular country, especially one where I did not speak the language or, you know, and I want to do that because I feel like there's a part of me that I'll get to meet. I've not seen her yet, right? There's something about being in a different country and culture, just like the two of you have mentioned, the experience of learning a different language of understanding and listening to people differently that expands who we get to be. So that's fascinating to me. And I would say the, my immediate family anyway, as far as I know, everybody in my immediate family shares that value. Like we all appreciate and, and, are, and embrace other cultures that we were raised that way. So I'm curious about how you guys were raised. Like what was, how are you the weird ones in your family? <laughs> like, like how, how, how do you fit into your, your family in, in, this, in this way, this multicultural uh, appreciation that you have? Well, I am in a multicultural um, family because my mother is Swedish, my father is Swiss. So I think nowadays, especially living in Geneva, where it is, I mean, you barely find a hundred percent, like someone who's hundred percent Swiss, but, you know, in a small village in the seventies or eighties, you didn't have that many multicultural backgrounds. And uh, so for me, I think my family is like that. Um, they, they, my mother had also studied languages. Um, so she came to Switzerland. She had come to France before, but then to Switzerland, uh, like end of the 60s. So, and for me, speaking two languages was natural. So with my mama, I would speak Swedish. At home, we would speak French because my father never learned <laughs> Swedish. Then when we went to Sweden on holiday, the common language between the grown-ups would be English because my father still had not learned <laughs> Swedish because everyone in Sweden speaks English pretty much. And then I switched to having English as well. So it's just been in a way being a bridge as well, because sometimes I would like naturally, you know, uh, I like also including people. So I would always sort of already like translate or interpret for people around me when I would see like one doesn't speak the other language. And also Switzerland is multicultural. We have three, four languages actually. Um, and being in, you know, center of Europe, we are easily exposed also to different languages. So yeah, I think it, it really runs in my family as well. It's really a value being open to differences, experiencing it. And my brother now is married to a Mexican woman. So now we have like also the Mexican family sometimes visiting or yeah. So 
it's just natural but it, it's been passed through yeah it's really like a family like my brother loves traveling he's been i don't know you, you said 30 country for you i think it's about 30 country for me but my brother would probably be almost i don't know 80 countries or very much also for work wow. and uh but i still feel i'm and i feel in my family everyone is very different like our personalities are very different but again it's like this very tolerance like we are have like different sometimes interests or we are totally different but we are curious about you know the others and what they do so it's also having you know being curious i feel or open is really not just about other culture it's just people being different from you so that's how it started as well yeah but i still feel sometimes i'm the weirdo in the family <laughs> okay you didn't talk about that part what makes you weird i don't know i'm not weird i've always been very reasonable too reasonable i feel as well <laughs> but i feel i still feel i'm weird because i'm maybe more i think all my family are much more I don't know, no, none of them is spiritual. Like none of them was like believing in God or anything. And for me, I always, I never really believed. I think, in, I, I think as a kid, I would say I believed in God, but just because you had to have a representation and, and, you know, but for me, it's more like I believe in other things and what can just be seen. And I think the rest of my family just believe what they see. And for me now it's more, you first have to believe and then you see. It's not you have to first see and then you believe. So I think we have like, on this, we're totally different. Yeah. Sana, what about you? Uh, I don't know if I'm the weird one. I'm definitely <laughs> different. <laughs> um, but I don't have like, I don't know. I take great inspiration from my grandfather on my dad's side. Because he was born in, in Serbia and he actually escaped Serbia one night and to join one of his friends who was in France. So he traveled through Germany, Italy and, and ended up in France, then was enrolled as a legionnaire in the army. And he went to Vietnam uh, for the first world, uh, for the first war of Vietnam. Then they lived in Tunisia and then he went back to France. He would speak, uh, obviously, uh, Serbian. Uh, he would speak a little bit of German, a little bit of uh, Italian. He would speak French, even if he never really had formal education. Um, so I, I take great inspiration from his journey um, but then the rest of my family is, is really like, okay, they're not like big travelers. My, my dad liked to travel um, and, and he did some interesting things. Uh, not my mom, but they were separated. So I never had like a, a tight unit as a family. And I felt that for me, traveling or, or, or meeting other people one more time was a way for me to escape my situation in at one way growing up and to also like try to find pieces of me mm. uh, because yeah I, I i don't know why but it was always like okay i i don't really know uh who i am where i'm coming from and you know uh, my grandfather escaped serbia because of economic situation and political situation and for him like the, the grandsons, we were born in France and there was no way for him to teach us anything about Serbia. It was behind, he, he flew the country 
because he wanted all the family to have a better life. So there was no way for us to go back there, for example, which has always been something in me that was like, damn, I miss so much about those roots. But he would never allow anybody like to speak Serbian to the grandsons. Mm. It was only for him and his children. But the next generation, there was like, okay, you have to learn French, speak French, uh, write French properly, read French properly. And that's it. That's all. This is where life is. Um, that was one thing. But I guess like I was always like, no, there, it cannot be this. The environment I am in and I'm growing up in, which was some type, you know, of a tough environment. I was like, it's not possible that it's only this. Mm. The world is too big. So at a very young age, books, TV, everything would be an opportunity for me to discover something about the world and some places that were far. If it's far, I was excited. And that's, that's funny because I was born in France. I, now I live in Canada. I know very little about France. It's like if I'm discovering France because I'm in Canada and I'm watching TV and documentaries on regions of France that I've never been. I'm like, oh, I didn't know there was this. I didn't know there was that. I was always, my mother used to tell that to me. Like you were 11 and you said, one day I would leave somewhere else. And that's exactly what I said. I left uh, France, I think, uh, for my first big, big trip in, in the Central African Republic. I was 18 years old. Wow. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's it. And I never really came back to settle myself in France. I was like, whoop, all over the place. Wow. I, you know, I've always found that so fascinating about how... I don't know if easy is the right word. Perhaps for the three of us, there's some level of ease in being in other cultures or being engaged, involved with other cultures or even living in other places. But, you know, you all know I was born in Panama and at nine years old, we immigrated to the U.S. And even then, after, you know, learning English as a second language, I, I, I can't ever say that I didn't feel part of it because, you know, when you're young, you just absorb everything, including, you know, lifestyle, the culture, language, values in many ways too but I I always kind of felt kind of like you're saying that there's pieces of me that were in other places I'm like I don't this isn't it <laughs> like this can't be it and I still feel that way um, and even I remember in college specifically when I actually connected with the international community that was a plot probably the closest to feeling at home with people that I felt outside of my immediate family right because I this, you know, a friend of mine calls it this third culture experience. Yeah, you're not really this, you're not really that, but there's some other, you know, I'm part yeah. of that other. Yeah. And so, and, and that's what draws me to have, you know, people like the two of you in my life as well, because I feel always so drawn to like the other, even if you all belong to a specific, you know, there's a specific nationality or something, but that, so I'm curious about what is it that draws you to others? like? When you're when you are attracted to a particular culture or to connect with a particular type of person, what do you notice about yourself that draws you in? Hmm. I don't know. There's so many things, but I was relating a bit to what both of you were saying. Also, for me, 
you know, having two different cultures, as you say, you never fully one, you never fully the other. So, you know, when I'm in Switzerland, I have, I have, I feel I have to cultivate the Swedish part of me because I'm always afraid it will disappear otherwise. So I cultivate that. But when I go to Sweden, I feel I'm never fully Swedish because I didn't grow up there. So I'm missing a lot of references and things. And even the language is not perfect. But I always feel when you meet people from different cultures and even more if you if you speak a different language then you have a different aspect of yourself that reveals as you were saying maybe when you when you live abroad but I remember like a, a striking example was like my best friend I met her when we were living in Italy so she's Swiss German but from um, Italian origins I'm like yeah Swiss and, and, and Swedish but um, French speaking mainly but we met in Italy and then when we came back to Geneva, we decided to become roommates so we, or flatmates. So we decided to find an apartment. And it's, I remember when we would go grocery shopping, for instance, because we were speaking Italian together, we would be loud and we would be like totally different than if I would be speaking French to her. And I knew that. So just the fact that, you know, we were speaking, even in my own country, if I speak a different language, I feel I'm not the same. It's another part of me that because culturally, and, you know, also when you interpret, like I'm an interpreter, so you know as a background like Italian that we speak with the hands same with you know Spanish speaking people very like theatrical you know everything <laughs> if you do the same exactly in French you look silly people would not take you seriously so you have to you know if they say five adjectives you would put two of them even you know you want to be exhaustive but you have to respect the culture of you know the people you're addressing and the same you know, I never did that. But if you had to translate somebody Spanish speaking or Italian speaking to Swedish or English, you know, the same if it's, and you know, especially from England, there's so much more like cool, calm and collected and like, you know, a few words, but very specific, the other ones very flourishing. And, and, and so, yeah, I really feel you, you experience different aspects of yourself. Totally. I'm I'm laughing because just a few days ago I did a, a talk in in Spanish. It was for a Spanish program. <laughs> my godfather watched and he was like, "Oh my gosh, your hands were like all over the like ah yes and see cuando nosotros a veces no and and it's so true. Yeah. And in English I tend to be expressive too. It's part of my personality. But you're absolutely right. I tend to moderate a little bit more. And especially depending on who I'm speaking with, but it's a, it's a different, my, my sense of humor is different. I'll, I'll just oh, share yeah. one quick story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we left Panama when I was nine and we didn't go back again until I was 14 for the first time. My grandparents stayed, stayed in Panama. So we went to visit, I was 14. This, the first time we ever went back after moving here. And we, I lost some of my Spanish. I shouldn't say lost. I, hadn't gained any Spanish because we weren't around Spanish speaking people in the US. And my education stopped abruptly when we left Panama. So when I came back to Panama and I went to a, a gathering of the people in the neighborhood and they were having like a party and enjoying life and having you know fun and making jokes. And you know, 14, I was very self-conscious anyway, <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> I didn't know what, like, I, I knew that I wanted to say something, but I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you say that? What's the expression? Because I had the vocabulary of a nine-year-old, not a 14-year-old. And it was so frustrating. I was the introvert at that party. And you guys know that I am not introverted, generally speaking. So I was like, I can't believe I cannot express my ideas. I can't make the jokes that I want to make. So when I came back to the US, I'm like, I'm just gonna go back to, I'm gonna take Spanish classes. So I took Spanish all through high school 
which is almost like repeating elementary school. <laughs> it was a lot of the you know, basics. But in college, I also continued. And then I, we made a commitment as a family and we went back almost every year through college until my grandfather passed away. And that made a huge difference. But I feel like I have a different sense of humor in Spanish than I do in English. And I don't know, I, bet, I imagine you guys feel the same way with your languages. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, talk to me about some of that. I don't even know where we are in the conversation anymore. This is just fun. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to say, Sana? <laughs> no, I don't know. I can totally relate to what you said and what Dominic said about changing the way you speak depending on the language or just mimicking some of, of the attribute of a language or of, of a certain people just by being immersed in the language and in the culture. That's, I think that's very true. Um, and, and I've noticed it myself. Like some people um, would say, oh, but when you are with your African friend, suddenly it's just some kind of having an African accent. Are you playing or whatever? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't even realize it. It's, it's just because from, you know, listening to TV, to music and, and people and, and just being around, it just somewhat happened naturally I guess or I have no filter so it's it's just this or that it happened to me in Thailand too where I I would phone to people in Thailand speaking in Thai and then when I would see them in face to face for example in administration sometimes they would look at me and I was like did you call <laughs> and I was like yeah yeah, it was like, oh, because we were expecting, oh, okay, you were not expecting a white face <laughs> showing up, right? And it was like, yeah, your tie was like, you know, okay. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, thank you. I, I would take it as, as a compliment, actually, but um, but that's it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's For me, I, I feel like all those, it's, it's very sensual. Uh, in I don't know if you say that in English, by the way, but it, you might want to give us some context. <laughs> yes, yes, I will, I will, it, because it talks to my all all these talk to my senses a lot. So there's a, a part of me that is drawn to others or to other cultures and 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 countries, language, whatever. At first, it's an intuition, I guess. There's something that I cannot explain. Uh, another part of this is that it's related to the sense. I could hear a word in a specific language that I don't know, but I would just love the sound of that word. And just and this would create an impulse, for example, for me to research, say, what is this word? What does it mean? And then that would lead me to something else. And then suddenly I want to learn a whole sentence. And then eventually I would repeat that sentence. And then I was like, oh, I'd like to learn another one. And then suddenly you start to learn a language. It could be uh, taste. You taste a specific food from a specific place made by, by a specific person. And then suddenly you have, oh my God, this is the best rice I've ever had. You know, and, and, and suddenly you're like, okay, so this is Thai cuisine. And, and, and this is like, I don't know, Creole cuisine. And then this is this. So you're drawn to a whole culture through food and through taste. See, uh, sometimes it's a vision. You see, I don't know, I would see, a, I could say, I don't know, like a Buddha. And then, and then suddenly I was like, wow, I'm attracted to that specific image. 
what's behind, what's around it. And then I would start to research and try to connect. And then eventually that's how you decide to, to go, okay, I want to go see that place. So I'm going to take a plane and go there. And then I want to understand what's going on. So I'm going to speak with people. And fortunately, if somebody can speak a little bit or articulate a little bit, then it, it's, it's kind of you find a, a, a gatekeeper or someone that opens some gates for you and, and you get into another layer of experiences and then you're going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. So I, I guess oh, for me, that's a lot how it happened and how I love to see it happening. Mm. I'm glad you explained sensual, but that that I could hear all the different variations of using your senses. No, very good. Um, so I'm so curious about this now that you guys have shared these experiences. What parts of you have you found as you interact with people from other cultures or if you've traveled to other countries? Like what's something you discovered about yourself? Like for me, for example, um, I, I've always been interested in people that's, you know, just making friends and connecting with people. But I remember when I lived with host families in different countries, like in Germany specifically, many of the, the German host families I stayed with did not speak any, any English or Spanish. And so I was somehow really fascinated <laughs> in like learning German. <laughs> I'm not even sure why. I even found that there was this interest for, like I went to, I was in, in Bonn, in Bonn, Germany. And I went to the, um, the Deutschland Geschichte Museum, so the, the German History Museum, and it was fascinating. And we went to Dachau. And then from there, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to go to Auschwitz. So I went to Poland and we did a you know field trip there. And then from there, I, I discovered that I had this passion, I call that a passion, it's kind of a dark <laughs> history, but a passion for learning about World War II, not in the historic sense, but in just like, how were the people back then? How did they, how do they survive? How do they communicate with each other? How did they transform after all of that? I even went to Hiroshima in Japan. I took a bullet train because <laughs> I only had one day to do this. And I was like, I need to go. But that's a part of me that I don't think I would have ever seen or experienced had I not been to Germany that first time and felt somehow like, like I don't know if attraction is the right word, but there was something that just drew me in to the history of that particular time. What about for you guys? Where's what's an opportunity, an experience that you've had that you found in yourself that's like came alive because of your travel experience? I feel for me what <clears throat> what I discovered thanks to my first like stay abroad, which was one year in Boston, uh, USA, is really that you can come to a totally, and I had, again, you had, I had a, done a bit like you were saying, Sana, like going as far as possible because I could have gone to England, but I thought, oh, England, you know, some people might come and visit me quite regularly because it's too close and I could go <laughs> home for Christmas and I don't want to go home for Christmas. So going far and then you really are, I mean, you don't know anyone when you arrive. I was also in the host family. I was an au pair um, taking care of children. But what I found fascinating is regardless of your culture, wherever you end up on earth, you still make friends, you still find your favorite place, you still, you know, find a new home. I felt home after two weeks, maybe. And I really, and everywhere I've lived, I felt home. I, I really have this inner feeling that, wow, I'm home. Like, I know the neighborhood, I know some people, I feel so comfortable. And, and I think it's kind of fascinating the first time at least you experience it. It's like, 
you feel you will never be alone in your life because you, I don't know, there is this connection and it doesn't depend on the number of people you meet. It's more that, that you find this common like humanity with everyone and you feel that you can reproduce this like safety or this yeah feeling at home that's really what I would describe so that was for me like a strong experience yeah because I think that's what prevent most people from actually leaving their you know their comfort zone and where they grew up is like they they are afraid of what you know of the unknown but when you mm -hmm. experience going through this and feeling that oh actually it's not difficult you know even if you as you say maybe at the beginning I didn't speak very well English I had studied English but I remember my <laughs> five-year-old I was taking care of was saying we don't say pizza we say pee I mean she would say pizza and I was like what's the difference <laughs> she was like very strict and she would say once I remember she said we don't say perhaps we say maybe I was like okay because <laughs> I had learned British English and very, like very academic and not very you know idiomatic so so yeah, but yeah, you can really make friends and sometimes just, and I feel also maybe because when you, for me, I often knew when I traveled, uh, lived abroad that it would be for like a short time, everything became so intense. Like you meet new people, it becomes quickly like a good friend because I don't know, you need to have these experiences and to do again, like your new surroundings. And mm -hmm. so everything goes so like as you were saying, we like deep things. So it goes like deep and, but quickly and, and it's very intense. And then you keep these bonds forever. I mean, I have friends from England or from, from back in the USA. So I was like in the USA was 93, 94. I still consider them super close to me. And we didn't have internet at the time. And we would write letters and one would be like, one would be in Austria, one would be in, in, uh, in Germany, one would be still in the US. And, but the bond is there. It's so intense for me compared to anything that could, you know, linger. Yeah. I agree with that. Can, can I bounce on that idea? Because there's something that strikes me is like intensity. Hmm. Um, I, I think that- I'm, Bounce away. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm, I'm gonna repeat myself here but it's those experiences are very intense and to me I think retrospectively it's one more time it's something that where you would feel alive you would feel alive you would feel that okay there is way more than what I thought there is there is way more than what has been told. There is way more than my circumstances at that moment. And and that's this realization, this feeling of being that alive. I think that is that is uh, something that keeps attracting me. Uh, and still now, even if I'm in in Montreal for fifteen years, which which is for me, it's some kind of. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's very unusual. I would, I would move like all the time. Like in the first 10 years in Montreal, I think that I, I changed apartment like 14 times, right? So I would move all the time, even in the same city, but still I would move all the time. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think intensity for me would be like a, a big word. And I also learned that how adaptable human beings can be. We are very adaptable. And I, you know, I think bouncing off of something you said, Dominique, that I don't know this to be true, but I can get 
that it is sometimes if you haven't been taught, right? If you haven't been shown the safe that that you can be safe, that you can be connected, that you can feel at home in other places, it you know it, it almost keeps people in their same spot. But I I wonder if you also have a lack of maybe there's an opportunity for us to build trust in ourselves that if you can make you know you can make friends that you can ask for what you need right that you can you can share an idea you can share an opinion you can share part of yourself um and i remember there were times especially when living with host families i mean that was five years of my life where i lived out of a suitcase and lived with host families or maybe like 400 of them in that span of time and it's it like a lot. And now I'm like, wow, that's a lot of beds. But, but there are moments where I knew I was the only person of color that had ever set foot in that person's home or slept in their bed or, or ate at their dinner table. And so sometimes some silly, not, I wouldn't say silly questions, but there were questions that came up that people were curious about anything about my hair or about, you know, some culture in the U.S. You know, I would get asked a lot, you know, does everybody in the, in the U.S. have guns? Because that's they heard so much about the gun culture. And so it was interesting to experience who I got to be in other countries, but also from a sense of, I could trust myself to still share who I am, how I am, what I think. And people were still, people are still interested. Now you still have to connect with the right people. You know, I, there's a, I don't know. Why, why do you guys think that now that Dominique and Sana, you've met each other, why do you think I introduced you two? What is your sense now after having this conversation? I feel the three of us, we have a lot of com in common mm. with uh, this um, like curiosity, liking people, liking different cultures. I find, I find it's very natural. I would have made the same connection mm. if I had been in your head. <laughs> mm. I would have picked, you know, if it was me, but I knew the two of you, I would have said, oh, but I think Valerie would be a good connection to Sana, you know? It, just made, it seems, I don't know, from the entire conversation, like even, you know, when you were talking, I'm like, it's part of, you know, my beliefs or what resonates with me a lot. So I totally see why, yeah. I perceive it at least, yeah. Mm. yeah. Sana, what about you? Um, I, um, yeah, actually I'm kind of surprised because, you know, I was, I had no specific expectations. I was curious, but in my head I was like, oh, okay, I'm in breath work. I'm in martial arts, Dominic is in yoga. And we, both of us had like different careers and made change and transitions. So I was like, okay, maybe, you know, the, the podcast is going to be in, and the encounter and discussions might be around those kind of topics. Um, and, you know, even, even from the beginning, it was the objects. It's like, oh, okay. The objects are representing something that I'm, you know, that is familiar to me. That is one of my practices. Um, and it was, I, I believe it's the same that, uh, uh, Dominic, your necklace is, is deeply rooted in your practice and in your transition. And, um, I'm, I'm, I find it like, you know, serendipity, this, this, this word, like that suddenly all this is completely forgotten <laughs> and, and it's all about the three of us suddenly connecting about us being like, okay, we are maybe those third culture childs, if you want to label it, but actually we are some kind of weird animals that <laughs> always wanted to felt that there was some excitement or something to be um, chased outside of, of 
our physical bodies mm. and, and, and where we were born or where we were living at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I find that like super interesting because it's just like, oh, okay, cool. You too? Great, great. <laughs> that's, that's the magic of the encounter, I, I guess. Yeah. And, and finally, this is exactly the conversation that I believe the three of us could have in a foreign country on on the on the on the beach or in a in a bar or in a restaurant or whatever, three tables, each of us being alone, eating our food, and then suddenly, hey, can you pass me the salt or I don't know what or like, hey, where are you from? And then where are you from? And then suddenly we end up spending three hours together, just sharing stories about traveling and meeting people and and being happy of meeting each other. Hundred <laughs> percent. And, and like, like, okay, tomorrow let's do that activity together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I want you to meet somebody else. <laughs> I know. That's what I would. <laughs> you know, and, and Sana, you're absolutely right. I had, that was one of the, my first instinct was, yeah, you guys work in a similar industry and space and maybe we'll start having conversation about that. And, you know, I think part of it for me is just being in the moment and hearing some of the thoughts and ideas. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Let's go there. And that all of those shared values, those shared ideas or or experiences is what adds that, for me anyway, added the curiosity, right? It wasn't wasn't as important anymore to talk about mindful practice. And yeah, we did the breathing in the sense. That was great. And oh, this is fun. <laughs> so thank you guys for being, I, I just being in the moment with me. Um, I'm curious, what but are you thinking about? But the thing about mindfulness, I feel it's being fully present to what's unfolding and not being fixed with like, you know, as you were saying, like maybe like an idea you had before, maybe you prepared like, you know, the conversation, but if you prepare too much, you're not really with the other people because you just want to place your sentence or your question or your brilliant answer or whatever. Yeah. And I think for me, this is like a practical case of, of being, you know, yeah. fully present. So hundred percent. Yeah. And you guys were very easy to do that with. So I'm curious, two questions for each of you. One, what surprised you the most about this conversation? We may have just discussed it, but <laughs> if there was something else, do share. <laughs> and then two, what are you taking from the conversation? What are you taking away from it? Hmm. I think there's one thing that I'm not necessarily surprised, but I'm delighted by it, is that it, it, it was not like you mediating that much a conversation between Dominic and I, because we ended up like the three of us sharing and you as the host also like contributing just in the conversation and not being the host. Mm-hmm. I'm the host, I make you guys talk together, no we ended up like, I feel like just being, okay, the three of us, let's have a tea and let's have a conversation. And that's it. That's all. Um, I'm delighted by that. Uh, Don't know if I'm surprised, maybe. Uh, No, but the feeling is delighted. End Mm -hmm. of story. And what I'm going to take out of it is probably um, when is next? (laughs) <laughs> what is the next one? Wait, wait. 
well, hey, I'm, that's let's do it. We'll do it again. <laughs> My audience probably wants to hear different people. I imagine. I know, but I know. <laughs> but yeah, you know, who knows? We can have a part two. If nothing else, we can the three of us definitely get together again. We'll talk about yeah. it after this. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It's so funny every time, not every time, but sometimes when you speak, I feel you in my head because I was thinking the same. It's like, you know, we had this nice conversation, the three of us, and it's true. It was like so like fluid. And I like the fact as well that you were not having this neutral stance and like in the background, but really like fully involved sharing your personal stories and like, you know, each one would bounce on what the previous had said or another one, it would go any direction. So I like that uh, very coming very natural mm-hmm. and my takeaway for me is actually what you did this program for is just to see that yeah you can meet a all what is it almost stranger almost? Uh, no not quite not, stranger. not quite yeah sorry as my english is not so good not quite stranger <laughs> it's maybe and, not perhaps <laughs> <laughs> oh my god more than 20 years after still yeah 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 so yeah not quite strange exactly that um really for me i feel like i already know you and i've known you for what an hour but um yeah and i don't know if thanks to the magic touch of valerie probably as well but i just feel again if you're just being like authentic and the person in front of you is the same it's like this connection can be so immediate you don't have to go through you know so many phases to 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 get to meet someone so so that was a very nice experience Um, i feel blessed that we were like the first one like the second batch (laughs) 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 your your scientific little like um (laughs) yeah the potions and (laughs) it works well i mean i'm really super like happy i felt i had like a nice time with you guys so and i feel it's so nice because as you were saying at the beginning of the program i mean one you Valerie, you're in Dallas. Sana, you are in Montreal. I mean, in Geneva. I mean, how incredible is that? All in our living rooms or whatever room you picked. <laughs> and it's only Tuesday. I think there's, there's also a learning here, um, Valerie. Um, it's on another note, but it's, it's also like, it's not that difficult and it's safe to, to meet somebody not from your labels or not because of your work or, or, you know, what usually we define ourselves by, like if, okay, give me a short bio, blah, 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 but to tap into personal stories and things that I, I feel that what we shared together is only could be shared because it's something that has been deeply felt in our bodies. And we tapped into those stories and, and that's what emerged from those stories that we could, finally, it's very human. All of this is very human. I, I come back to the senses, but that's the general theme that emerges for me from that conversation. And it's, it's safe and it's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. Even I... if an hour ago, I didn't know Dominic. It is. She's not threatening. There's no threats. I'm not losing anything <laughs> by opening up on personal stories, even if it's parts and bits of it. Uh, but just being that open creates also openness 
in the others around and that gives permission to share things that maybe would not be shared if um, we were in, in, a, in a framework or if we would felt like, okay, I need to show up in a very specific way because I, I have to be in a box or whatever. So um, mm. freedom is, might be a theme also here. I don't know. Freedom. Just a personal reflection, reflection that I have right now. And that's, I mean, you make a, an interesting point because I think that's the only way it would have worked. I, part of me is also in the background, you know, in the, the algorithm of Valerie's head <laughs> is who are people that I know will be, be open enough to share something in, important, insightful that will be a contribution in conversation. And so I do have in my mind as I connect people, like for example, the two of you that I, I don't know if it's gonna click, like I said, forever and ever. I mean, the fact that you guys wanna do this again is like, yay, cool, bonus. That's not the expectation, but I did have in my mind that I needed to make sure that there are people who are open enough to have a conversation. Cause I do agree the dimensions that we say are diverse dimensions, diversity dimensions, you know, when we talk about race and then nationality or ethnicity or religion and political view, political views, all that. Those are so superficial. And the point that I, I make to my, my nieces <laughs> and nephews are very young, but I, I was telling them, you know, you were born in a particular place at a particular time to a particular set of parents, completely random. And that shaped this language you spoke, the beliefs you have, the books you got to read, <laughs> the people you got to play with. But had you been born in a different part of the world, you had a completely different set of values likely or different set of books in your bookshelf, right? Like something so, and I don't wanna diminish the impact or the import of that, but it's so arbitrary. It is so arbitrary that the place we're born determines all of a sudden like who we are and like now we have to live in that frame. And I and I think the thing that I think I take away from this conversation that a it just confirms that no is <laughs> that does not is not true, and you can be put in any frame and you fill out the frame the way you want, and then you can change frames and you fill it out and then you just keep adding frames. And after a while, you can just scroll left <laughs> and just decide which frame you wanna stick with and then you scroll right. So this was, a, I think, a beautiful demonstration of the arbitrariness of where we're born and what language we end up speaking does not define who we get to be in the world, what we get to contribute and how open um, we are to connecting with other people. So I am so grateful. I'm incredibly blessed too. I just have, you know, you two phenomenal human beings as a part of my life in whatever dimension or for whatever length of time there is. This has just been a beautiful conversation. Thank you both so very much. Any final words? Thank you. Thank you. That would be my word. You did mention that you would leave me out of a conversation if you started speaking French, but I'd love to hear you speak French to each other. <laughs> I feel like cool. that's, yeah, do it. Très bien. Voilà. Ben, Dominique, moi, j'étais super content de, de, te, de te rencontrer. C'est une vraie, vraie découverte. Puis j'avoue que je suis super curieux maintenant de, de plein d'autres choses sur toi. Euh, puis j'ai jamais été en Suisse, fait que... <rire> bon, tu es toujours le bienvenu. Quand on pourra voyager, tu seras le bienvenu. 